Anybody notice it was Valentine's Day? Anybody not know that it's Valentine's Day? (laughs) Nothing like Valentine's Day to remind you you're single or that you're married and you forgot, right? (laughs) So uh, let me just read you a couple of of interesting quotes about Valentine's Day. uh, this was, I found this online, it just said, Happy Valentine's Day, or what I call happy, unimaginative, consumerist-oriented, and entirely arbitrary, manipulative, and shallow interpretation of Romance Day. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's kind of my view, but I'm a little, I'm a little sarcastic about that. <laughs> Michael Scott from The Office said, Would I rather be feared or loved? Easy. Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. I don't know about that one. Uh, Valentine's Day isn't an official holiday. It's not important enough to have the day off. Love isn't that big a deal. (laughs) Also sarcastic. And then Lemony Snicket said, Love can change a person the way a parent can change a baby, awkwardly and often with a great deal of mess. (laughs) That's got to be biblically. I I know that's biblical right there. And then Jim Jim Gaffigan said, "Without Without Valentine's Day, February would be well January. There's no real difference there. Um, so one of the things about Valentine's Day you'll find is that Valentine's Day is symbolic. So I'm not going to go into the history. I've done that in the past and had a little fun with it. But the history of Valentine's Day, um, it started you know, as a church holiday and celebrating uh, um, someone who gave their life for Jesus. Um, and so, again, how that turned into, <laughs> we're buying cards, and some capitalist obviously got a hold of it, and he's like, I could make some money off of this, and so they did. Um, but the challenge with Valentine's Day is it, it can often be more symbolic than actually substantive. So that's a big challenge. It's like, you know, who's, who's my crush? You know, if I give him a Valentine's card, I remember in school we do this, give my Valentine's Day card to the crush, and she would just hand it back to me. It's like, <laughs> there's nothing more crushing than your crush crushing you, right? So again, it can be a little bit challenging, but in authentic relationships, obviously the foundation for authentic relationships is love. We get that. That's a biblical concept. I think even the world knows that, even if we kind of ignore it sometimes. But uh, it, it's definitely the foundation. And, and the foundation that launches from that, what launches from the foundation, the first and the foremost thing that we deal with is commitment. And again, sometimes uh, Valentine's Day is not exactly about commitment. It just happens to be whoever you're kind of in love with at the time. And so often we celebrate the idea of romance more than we actually celebrate love. And I think that can be a little bit dangerous. But, you know, we don't want to become cynical and, you know, um, sarcastic too much. (laughs) That's also not helpful. So one of the things we talk about is how there's this vast contrast between what the world does, what's popular, what culture is saying and doing, and what God has called us as believers to do. What's the right thing? You know, so what's the world doing? Um, and, and we can get caught up, if we're not careful as believers, we can get caught up in the world. And wanna be, I want to really just challenge you to be careful of that because, um, you know, Jesus was talking, uh, or the disciples were talking to Jesus about some people who were preaching the gospel but not exactly doing it the way that they ought to. And they were really kind of like, hey, we should go and have a talk. I'm paraphrasing. We're going to have a talk with them. You can imagine Peter having a talk with somebody with his sword, right? I'm going to let my sword do the talking. And so Jesus is like, hold up, hold up. Don't, don't do that. And they started getting super judgmental in various places in the New Testament. And he's like, you don't know what spirit you're of, Right? And I think that's a challenge sometimes. We can get caught up. We're doing that right now so often with COVID. We get caught up in fear, right? Because the world is so fearful. But the Bible says God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but you can take it if you want it. 
right? So you can have a spirit of fear if you want a spirit of fear, but God hasn't given it to you. So the challenge then is, hey, whatever the world's doing, usually we should probably do the opposite, right? But sometimes the world gets some things right, and so the, the best way to think about it is that, you know, all of us have different cultures, where, whether it's U.S. culture, whether we have, you have a culture in your family, you have, we have a culture in our church. Culture is just a bunch of people agreeing to a similar value system and living that out, right? And so it, it just depends on what the culture is. But the way the kingdom works is the kingdom is supposed to be there so that when your culture is overlaid over the kingdom, the kingdom pokes through, right? The kingdom comes through and takes priority. And so that's the design that God has. Um, so we want to be careful not to copy the world. This is Romans 12, 2 in the New Living Translation, um, a little bit more readable. It's really interesting. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this people. resistance, you can just kind of get caught up into it and not be intentional. And it's one of the most dangerous things we can do as a believer is to not be intentional. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And see, that's where God so often, and, and Karen and I have been talking about this, she's, she's got a heart for something that's coming soon. I'm hoping she's going to preach into it about just how the Lord wants to change our minds and transform our minds and just the, some real practical ways of doing that. So it's really good. But the kind, kind of sort of the idea is so often we have this thought in our head that I'm, you know, I'm doing really well. But the question is, are you? Right? The Bible says examine yourselves. Don't compare yourselves to the world, but do examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Now, that's not a salvation scripture, right? It's not saying examine yourself to see if you're saved. That's not what it says, okay? It says to see if you're in the faith. In other words, we can veer off from the faith, from the calling and the direction and the way God has called us to walk. We can easily veer off from that from time to time. And thank God that's what grace is for, right? When we catch it and we recognize it, it brings us back in line, and, and, and we tend to make those choices. So God's all about transforming us by the way we think. He says, then when this happens, you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what is God's will for you? Good, pleasing, and perfect. Right? It's a good way to decide and recognize whether you're in faith, whether you're in grace, whether you're walking according to the gospel. Um, that's a good kind of a litmus test. Is, is it good and pleasing and perfect? If it's not, maybe you need to adjust it. But again, we, we kind of get this. Um, there's a recent study that showed this. This is kind of our culture. Um, it showed that 91% of sexual encounters on TV are outside of marriage. So I'm going to just take a second let you think about that. Not like 30%, right? Yep. Not even like 50%. So 90-something percent of what you see model, what the world models about romance and sexuality and love and all these different things, 90-something percent of it is outside of God's better way, right? So it's a huge challenge because the world's constantly vying for our attention and wanting us to, to, to follow the path of least resistance. And it's where sometimes we even feel persecution, probably not you know, not real persecution, although that seems to be a little, you know, closer now than it was years ago, at least in America. Uh, but we feel that persecution because we're, we're swimming against the stream. And, and here's the thing, you were intended to do that, and you were intended to feel the weight of swimming against the stream. And that's a witness to the world that you're not doing what the world does. And the Bible speaks to that, so it's a, it's a good thing to understand. So let me just give you some contrasting ways to think about relationships 
because we're kind of going into small group season, and so we'll be sending out information uh, on, in an email. If you're part of our, our email list, you'll get that um, probably this week, and uh, we'll put it on social media. But we're going to start s- small groups. We're having some discussion about what that looks like in COVID, and so I just want to clarify it. Uh, but we do want to, this is important to us. Small groups are important. Groups, period, gathering together is important. And this is kind of why we're talking about this. The danger of this is because it's Valentine's Day and because I'm talking about romance, if you're not careful, you'll think only in romantic relationships. And that's not what this is about. It obviously leans into that. But it's, a, it's really just talking about relationships, godly, biblical relationships and how they're supposed to work. What authentic biblical relationships should look like. So just a couple of contrasting thoughts. Here's the world's way uh, of doing things. You find the right person. You fall in love. You fix all your hopes and dreams on them, <laughs> and if failure occurs, you repeat steps one, two, and three, right? And, I, and I've watched this over the years. I've done this, of course, I've, you know, in the early days, and I've watched people do this. And it's interesting that, you, you know, the world does this fairly regularly, right? They say if you find someone and you get married and, it's, you know, and it lasts a really, really long time, you're just super, super lucky. Or... <laughs> you can be super, super intentional about the way you do it. And again, some of this comes from, um, we're off, you know, we start, often start relationships where we're super broken. And so, of course, it's going to fail, right? But here's the challenge is what happens is we fail and we're like, oh, don't lose hope in relationships. So put your hope in relationship, right? Not a good place to put your hope. <laughs> so here's God's way. God's way is become the right person. Right, Bring something to the relationship. Don't expect the relationship to just bring something to you. And again, this is not just romantic relationship. Keep that in mind. Secondly, walk in love. Don't fall in it. <laughs> there are certain things you fall in. You just, you know, you smell bad for a long time after. You know what I'm talking about? And love can be like that if you're not doing this biblically. So walk in love. Love, we've, you've heard me say this. I know you've heard this years, for, for years. But, but love is not a feeling. It's an act of the will. Feelings come from love, but love, biblical love, is not a feeling. It generates feelings. It's a beautiful thing, but it's not a feeling. It's a decision, an intentional decision, and it's an act of your will. So this is Colossians 3. It says, this is verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So he's talking to the church. This is what he says. He gives us a verb. Clothe yourselves with these things. You do this. Because of what I've done in Christ, right, because of what Jesus has done for you, because you are a new creation, your thinking has to be transformed. So if you're doing it the old pattern, the old way, you have to think a new way, and God's Word speaks into the new way. And sometimes just because we quote Scripture, we think we've done it, when the pattern of our life is exactly the same, we just put a lot of, you know, uh, Scriptures on Facebook. Right? So don't be that person. Don't be a Facebook Christian. That should totally be a series. I think I've done that before in another title. But the whole idea is it's something you do. So listen to this again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's the foundation from it because of what Christ has done, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Here's another verb. Bear with each other, another one, Forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Right? New Testament version of, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Remember Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Lord's Prayer? And, but that's an Old Covenant and an Old Testament challenge, right? This is the New Testament version of that in grace. And he says it again, forgive 
How? As the Lord forgave you. So if you don't know how, the, if the Lord hasn't forgiven you, how hard do you think is it going to be to forgive other people? Right? But if the Lord has forgiven you, the way you work through your forgiveness is not focusing on them and trying to let it go. That's not going to help you at all. What the Bible says do, transform your mind, focus on the fact that the Lord has forgiven you and what that looks like. And I promise you, when you get a hold of that and that begins to grow inside of you and you begin to walk in that, it becomes easier, not easy, but easier to forgive other people. He goes on, over all these virtues, put on love like a garment. Take off the other stuff, right? It's yours to do. God's not going to do it for you. You take off all the junk, put off malice, put off, you know, uh, gossiping, put off all these, these certain things that you don't have to do anymore. Maybe they're your pattern, but it's time to put those things off. And he says, put on love. You do this. You be intentional about loving people because love looks like something. Actually, love looks like someone, right? We kind of know that. So he says, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. That sounds like some good stuff for relationships. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. In other words, people are going to do you wrong, right? If you join a church thinking that nobody's going to do you wrong, you need to just don't join the church, <laughs> right? Because if it's perfect, you're going to ruin it anyway when you show up. So put on love, he says, which all, it drives all these things together in perfect unity. So here's the thing. Um, the first one was become the right person. This is God's way. Become the right person. Walk in love. Uh, fix all your hopes and dreams on God, not on another person. Remember the movie? Um, we all remember this. You complete. Me, right? Remember? <laughs> and it's just tears. And, ah. You know, there's women, other women in the room. Ah. It's like, oh, this is, look, he's so perfect. It's like, yeah, he is until you work on your budget together. <laughs> right? Anybody ever done that? Anybody worked on their budget with their spouse? Anybody ever done that? Anybody, anybody worked on the, if you're single, worked on the budget by yourself? You get mad at yourself. It's like, how bad is that? You can't even like, like, why am I doing this? Like you're talking to two different people, right? <laughs> so you, have, you can't put your hopes and dreams, you can't fix your hopes and dreams on another person. They're going to let you down. doesn't mean you can't rely on and trust other people if they're mature, right? But you learn that. You learn who you can and, give, and can't trust in so many ways, and that's a whole other uh, sermon or a sermon series. <coughs> Excuse me. But the last one is, if failure occurs, repeat repeat steps one, two, and three, which is become the right person. So often it fails because I'm trying to do something in the kingdom. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm trying to do something in the kingdom that I have not been equipped to do. (coughs) And that's really, really dangerous. So go back to become the right person. Let God do a work in you in whatever arena that is. Secondly, walk in love. Thanks, sweetie. Excuse me. So secondly, walk in love. Third, fix all your hopes and dreams on God because he's the one who's going to do that for you. And if failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. So Hebrews 13.5, this is a picture of God's commitment to you, right? Um, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But what if I never will I leave you, never will I forsake you? Jesus said, I will not forsake you, I will not leave you as an orphan. I won't do that. So if you feel like an orphan, 
God hasn't left you. You may be feeling that. It may be the enemy's attack. It may be patterns of your life. It may be things coming up from your old world or your old life. I get it, but it's not true. Just because you feel something doesn't make it necessarily true. That's why intentionality and action and giving yourself to love, putting on love, is so valuable and so important. So biblical relationships cannot exist without this one key ingredient, and that key ingredient is commitment. We know this. We watch this happen in marriages and relationships. You know, celebrities' marriages last about 15 minutes, sometimes less, you know, <laughs> right? And it's like, they're, oh, did you hear about so-and-so get married? Yeah, I did, actually. They married so-and-so. I'm like, wait, what? No, that's, no, who's that, right? It's like, it was just six months ago. They married somebody else, and then, and they're so excited, like, oh, this is going to work out. You're like, oh, it's not, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I, I can tell, I'm not a prophet. I can tell you it's not going to work out because you're so broken, right? It's not going to happen. Anyway, so this is Malachi, Malachi chapter 2, talking about commitment. And, and again, this is Old Covenant. It's helpful to know that. Another thing you do, this is God speaking to his people, you flood the Lord's altar with your tears, right? So I'm emotional about this. You flood the, the Lord's altar with your tears. You weep and wail because God no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accept, accepts them with pleasure from your hands. So they're weeping and wailing, going, Lord, I don't know why you're so against me, and it's so bad, and it's so, I don't understand. I'm bringing the offering, and I'm doing everything I'm religiously supposed to. That's not Scripture. That was just me whining. Verse 14 says, you ask why. (laughs) You're not listening to the answer, but you ask why. And he says, it is because the Lord is a witness between you and the wife of your youth. Talk about commitment. He didn't say your latest wife, (laughs) the the early one, the first one, right? The wife of your youth, you have been unfaithful to her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. And so this whole thing about commitment, commitment is only necessary when things go south. (laughs) Commitment has no bearing, no meaning, no function when things are going well. You don't even think about it. It's like, oh, it's easy to be. You're so easy to get along with. You're just, you complete me, right? <laughs> Until we do the budget. And then I'm not, I'm not feeling the completeness, right? So the challenge, or something happens, you know, you're going through, or they're growing, they're dealing with something. They're, there's a brokenness in their life that comes up, and you're having to work through it with them, only they're a pill for a while, right? Or really, it's probably you that's the pill. <laughs> and most of the time, it's both of us. But so often, what's happening is it's inconvenient. The relationship is inconvenient. It's challenging. It's draining. It's hurting, etc. on and on and on. Every time a challenge, this is what we've been taught by, by our culture is when things are hard, bail. You've got to love yourself after all. Like you're, you're too valuable to let that person hurt you this way. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a time when you kill them, put them in a sack, and throw them off a bridge. I mean, you know, or whatever it is that you do to end up. <laughs> I'm, I'm just seeing if you guys are paying attention. <laughs> there's so much I could say about that. <laughs> so there's a time, obviously, to end a relationship. There is a time, and I get that. Scripture even speaks to that. Jesus gives reasons even for the greatest covenant, the most important covenant on the planet outside of the one you're in with God, your marriage covenant. There's a, there's a time when Jesus said that's, it's okay to end it. You don't have to, but it's okay to because certain things have happened and certain things have gone that far south. But here's the thing. Most of the time, that's not the challenge. We have, Karen and I have friends, lifelong friends. We've known them for 20, 30 years that um, went through... Even that scenario where um, one of the 
spouse was unfaithful. And there was brokenness and there was repentance and there was hurt and there was a lot of time to earn back that trust. And now it's, it's not as if it never happened because it did. But the trust is restored. Love was always there, which is what got them through it. So even where God says it's okay if it's too much and you can walk away from that, I get it. But you don't have to. Because what love is, is love is something you can do. And if you can do it, if you can go through that, if you can choose to do that, then it rescues the broken. That's what love does, right? You have to do this healthy in this whole other series, but you have to do these things healthy, and you have to do things with boundaries, and they have to be safe, and you do need to love yourself. God says that. He says, love God with everything you are. Still, this is old covenant, by the way, right? Because it's a law for you to do. Love God with everything you are. Love your neighbor, right? We know that one. But how do you love your neighbor, right? So if you don't love yourself, how in the world can you love your neighbor? You can't. And so I get that, and that's where that brokenness, getting whole and, and being made whole, that's where that brokenness, brokenness now leads to healthy relationships that quickly get through some of the hurt and the challenge and the draining or whatever might come. But you have to be, you have to be willing, hear this, in any relationship, Marriage or friendship, small group, church, family, which is what our church is supposed to be. Tim did a great job of sharing about what that looks like. So did uh, Valerie uh, yesterday in our prayer time, our corporate prayer time. And what does family look like? And it looks like a willingness to be unhappy for a season. You have to be willing. You have to say, this sucks. Right? (laughs) There there you go. (laughs) But it's not forever. Hear me? It's not forever. It's, it's, willingness, it's willingness to be unhappy to get through the season. Why? Because there's something beautiful on the other side of it. And this is so, so amazing. And Jesus did this. Jesus said, the scripture says, he loved us first, right? So he committed to us in our brokenness. Why? So that we could see and be transformed by what he was modeling in front of us. And then because we saw that, the Bible says it this way, because he loved us we love him. It's a cause and effect, right? It's a beautiful thing. And the more mature and the more growth and the more, uh, uh, really, more maturity that comes into your life, the greater your ability to give someone love, especially when they're undeserving of it, right? Still have to have healthy boundaries because you can't do it without it. And again, that's a whole other thing. Let me just read this. This is helpful. This is what commitment means. It means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. So let me say that again because it's powerful. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. Now I'm going to talk about small groups. (laughs) You're welcome. So here, let me just give you some ground rules. We, We do small groups, and small groups, most churches do some kind of group The reason why it's biblical, we gather together, when we gather together, life change happens. You think life change happens when you're studying the Bible. No, you get information when you're studying the Bible. You get revelation when you're studying the Bible. Transformation often comes when you take that out into the real world with your brothers and your sisters. Or someone who maybe isn't a brother or sister yet, right? So let me just give you some simple things. These are very simple, but and I'll keep this brief. Small group ground rules or relationship ground rules. Honor one another's time. Show up on time. In our culture, not every culture, but in American culture, you being late is disrespectful. 
Okay, I'm going to move on from there because <laughs> no need to say anything more about that. Make our group a priority, frequency. In other words, I'm committing to this through the whole small group season. We do this for typically 12 weeks on purpose because anybody can commit to anything for 12 weeks. Anybody go to school? Anybody get a credit from college? You can commit to, you can commit to calculus. I promise you can commit to a small group, okay? So commit to frequency. Be there. Be there throughout the entire small group. Be, out, be there throughout the entire relationship, whatever the challenges may come, even if they need help moving. Right? That's how you know you're a friend right there. You show up when they're moving. All right, so share my true feelings. Be authentic. We're talking about that. Build real relationships. Encourage everyone's spiritual growth, mutuality. Call out, and here's what that looks like. Call out people's identity. This is who I see you as. I know, I, maybe you're not acting like that. Isn't that what we do with our kids? You're not acting like I know who you are, right? But I know who you are, so I'm going to keep going after it until I see it. Encourage your spiritual growth. Respect our differences. Be courteous, courteous about what's going on um, in relationships. Think outside your cultural box if someone's outside that box. Support times. Uh, support people in times of need. Bring sympathy. Maybe just sit and listen and don't necessarily have an answer too quick. I'm, I'm terrible about that. I'm trying to learn to be better at it. Accept weaknesses. In other words, humility. Nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. Neither are they, and we're going to screw up. Speak the truth in love. Let me, let me say this, speak the truth in love to them, not about them, right? This is huge in relationships. If you're just talking about people in your sphere of influence, you are a gossip, and you're not helping them grow, and you're not helping yourself grow. You're actually keeping them from it. So speak the truth in love to them. Why? With that other one in mind that I'm, I'm calling out your identity, that's why I'm challenging you. And if you can do that, people will grow. Keep confidences. Don't tell people stuff. Don't do that, right? Be a safe friend. Support our purposes. And in time, anytime you're in relationship, if you're in relationship in a family, your family has a purpose and a call and a direction, and you have a responsibility to that family. You are an individual, but you are also in a family. And you have a responsibility to that family. That's the same thing is true in a marriage, in that relationship, a friendship, small group, a church setting, a local church. You have responsibility to the vision and the purposes of the combined group. Keep that in mind. So let me just close with five commitments that God has made to you. Just so you know, God has modeled this to you first so we can see it. Number one, God says, I commit to prioritize you. I'm going to make you first. And this, in, honest, in all honesty, this is probably where we as people struggle the most. That I will make you a priority. I will make loving people a priority. Right? And you, get, you don't get to determine that if you're broken. <laughs> right? You're like, I need you to be a priority at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, maybe once, twice, three times maybe. You start, you keep calling me at 3 o'clock in the morning, you and I are going to have a coffee. And I mean that in the harshest terms I can come up with, right? Might be a coffee upside your head. So you just, you got to understand there's got to be priority because that's what God does. This is how we know that love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we as believers ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to. We can because of God's love for us. That's the foundation of it, right? We ought to do this. This is a call on us to do this. Number two, God says, I commit to pursue you. Do not wait for the feeling for someone to pursue you. You pursue them. Yeah, but they're not. I don't care what they're not. You do you. <laughs> you do healthy you, not unhealthy them. Okay? 
You decide how you're going to frame that relationship. They don't get to decide in their brokenness how to frame the relationship. Revelation 3.20, we see this in God. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we will share a meal together as friends. God wants to be with you. Number three, God says, I commit to possess you. (laughs) Now that seems a little weird when you first hear it, but hear me out. This is Hebrews 8.10. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. See, God wants to possess us as his very own. He wants us to be such a part of him that we don't know where he starts or he he ends and we start or vice versa. That's his desire. His desire is to be one with us. The picture of marriage in the earth is a picture, the Bible says, the picture is a mystery, but it's a picture of God and his bride, Jesus and his bride, that we are to be one flesh. He wants to possess us, and I know it sounds weird, but it's not. He says in this in 1 Peter, you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, you are God's very own possession. Now, possession doesn't work when it's impure, but when it's pure, it works powerfully. Number four, he says, I commit to protect you. This is a big win in community. I got your back. Remember, we were singing earlier in the the song or or the worship time about, um, about giants being slain. Right? Giant slaying, it turns out, is a team sport. David goes in, he kills this giant, right? You read the story, and throughout that story, you find out that four other giants, this guy, this man had brothers, it turns out, and again, that's a whole other series. But he David kills this first giant, right? The word of the Lord, people gather around him, then from on then on out, it's a team sport of killing giants. So maybe you have to model taking a giant down one time, but at some point, we're all in this together and we've got your back. God has your back. He's going to slay the giant through the stone that flies from your sling. But you have to sling it, right? There's an intentional part on you. Number five, he says, I commit to purify you. Micah 7, 18, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. If you believe this about God, you would fall deeper and deeper in love with him on a regular basis. Listen to Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And again, here's a verb. He gave himself up for her to make her holy. Think about that for a second. He gave himself up for her so that she could become whole. That's what he's saying. What what does relationship look like here. It's modeled, God is modeling this for us so we can, we can don't, we don't just hear it or read it, we experience it, right? But how do you experience, how do most people experience the love of God? Most of the time it's not from God. It is ultimately, but he ex- we experience God because someone loves you the way God loves you. Loves you unconditionally. Loves you in a way that you're like, so, so even though you know the truth about me, you still want, you still want to be my friend. Absolutely. Yes, you're a knothead. Yes, I'm still your friend. Those two things can be true at the same time, right? But my passion in my heart is if I give myself up for you, right, then what I see happen is I see transformation occur in your life. Why don't you stand with me? Karen's going to come and close this out. But I just want to remind you, as we do small groups, um, we do that to help be intentional and help, you know, kind of give some structure to people connecting because our culture is oftentimes so against it. But do your own small groups. Gather people around you. 
disciple people, love people, in, invite them in. Um, Karen has done probably a better job, anybody I know, of teaching us what it means to pivot. Anytime you're standing in a group, whether it's literally or, or you know, figuratively, you're standing in a group, someone will come and they'll approach from the outside and they'll get close, but they won't press in because either they're, they're not sure or they're afraid or they don't have confidence or they're hurt. There's a million reasons why they won't. But if you pivot and open up that group, what will happen is they'll take their space among us and the group grows wider, the group goes, grows more powerful, it grows in the ability to have impact and open up and receive more and more people who are broken because the wholeness is bigger than the brokenness. Amen? Karen, why don't you come over here? I love that. Um, I love that we are called to authentic relationships, and um, we're very real in this house. So, um, I just want to read this. I know Dave touched on these scriptures, but I want to read it from the Passion Translation to us, um, and just kind of close us off with this. And it is Colossians three, and it starts at verse twelve. It says this: "You are always and dearly loved by God." So robe yourself with virtues of God since you've been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. And be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble. Unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. So Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And God, thank you that we have been marked with love. And love is the defining, just the defining language of the kingdom, Lord. It's who we are. We love because you first loved us. And Lord, out of that becomes an overflow to love one another. And so, God, we just thank you for this message today, Lord, that we're going to have community get together, Lord. We're going to love one another together, Lord. And your word just declares to love each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And God, I thank you that um, in a family, love grows. God, thank you for this weekend, Lord, and just the word of redefining what family looks like. And so, Lord, we just take that word to our hearts and we say you're redefining what family looks like from the past. Lord, places that have been broken, that have been wounded, that have been hurt, Lord. And we say we're redefining what family looks like and that we are stronger together as family, Lord. We bless you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. We hope you guys have a great week. Um, If you'd like to have prayer this morning, we'd love to pray for you. If you're watching online, you can send your prayer request to the website at DathanCF.com. God bless you guys. Have a good week.